Uh, as I started to say, we uh, the last time that we studied, we, I went back and picked up doing something that uh, we uh, we did when we first got in this building, and did it for a few weeks, and uh, we uh, we got uh, different people uh, wrote on little pieces of paper questions about certain scriptures you'd like to hear expounded and all that, and uh, we are. Did it uh, one time, we're going to go back tonight. I'll call this Spotlight on Scripture uh, is uh, what we call this. And uh, we're going to uh, uh, focus our attention uh, on this again tonight. Um, and uh, I don't know how, how far I will, we will go in this. We won't get all of this done tonight on this one. I, I know time will not permit me. Uh, we'll probably hopefully get the first half, but we're going to be focusing on Second Thessalonians chapter two, the first four verses. Uh, this is one uh, passage of scripture that uh, I get an awful lot of questions about uh, from people, uh, and uh, how to, I guess to be frank, anything that has something to do with the end time or the second coming of Christ. The book of Revelation, the book of Daniel, uh, is um, is something that seems like people's more interested about that than just about anything else. Uh, and uh, we're going we're going to uh, go in here to Second Thessalonians and uh, uh, verses one uh, uh, through four tonight, and that's what's going to be our spotlight and our focus tonight. Um, I'm not going to start off by reading that, but i got some things I want to say as an introduction to that. Uh, I want you to listen close to this. These words were written over a century ago by a man, by a man by the name of William Booth. Does that name ring a bell to anybody? Some of you recall that name, William Booth. Uh, you will recall it more if I tell you the name of the church and the organization that he founded, the Salvation Army. Uh, and uh, he's the one that got that going many, many years ago. This is a quote from his writings during the latter part of his life. Uh, and uh, this is what he had to say. Now listen to this close. The chief danger that confronts the coming century will be religion without the Holy Ghost, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, and heaven without hell. He said that's going to be the chief danger that he sees that's going to confront the generation following him. Now the words spoken by William Booth over a century ago reveals to us the spiritual insight that this man of God who founded the Salvation Army had. I mean, he hit it right on the head. I mean, I mean, right down the line. I mean, he put us where we are at uh, 
today, religion without the Holy Ghost, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance. Amen. You see that every day. Amen. A lot of people want to be forgiven, but they don't want to repent. Hallelujah. Salvation without regeneration. Amen. A lot of people want to claim salvation, but there ain't been no change in their life. Hallelujah. Amen. And I mean, it's, to me, it's just just very eerie the way he, he, he put this uh, and how well it hits. P- uh, politics without God, heaven without hell. These words that he spoke revealed the insight and spirituality that he had. We truly are living in the times which he so vividly foretold. But if the truth, if the whole truth really be told, we were warned of this day all the way back in the apostles' day when they were putting together the parchments, which we now have and we now know as the New Testament. In our spotlight on Scripture tonight, we're going to focus on Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica. As Paul addresses an issue that they had, they had written him about this. That's one reason why we have some of the letters from the Apostle Paul that we had, because as he traveled around setting up churches, going from place to place, city to city, uh, the, the churches that he set up and the new converts, when an issue arose and come up, they would, uh, they would sit down and write Paul a letter and, uh, and ask him questions about what about this and what about that. And a, a lot of those letters he, he, he wrote that eventually became a part of our New Testament were an answer to questions that some of the churches had asked him about. And uh, evidently, there were some people, some people teaching that the day of Christ had already come way back then. Now, this would naturally upset those who were living their life to try to be ready for the day of Christ to come. And then all of a sudden, you got a group of people uh, begin to teach something different that's already happened, it's already come, come to pass. Uh, so you know what you know one thing that this lets me know that false teaching and false doctrine it's not it's not just for today, but the church has had to deal with that all the way back. There's always been people get off the truth of the message, coming up with some other, other kind of theory ideology, other than what the apostles taught. Paul sat down and gave them two sure indications that proved the teaching that they had heard was false and wrong. So we focus on that, and we will only be able to cover, I know, one of those uh, indications and signs tonight. He said, Now, therefore, brethren, concern the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. We ask you, Hallelujah. Not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if if from us, as though the day of Christ had already come. 
Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Amen. And we're going to stop right there. Uh, Paul reassured the people in the church of Thessalonica that Christ hadn't come yet and the day of the Lord ain't happened yet because he said there's got to be a falling away first. There's got to be a falling away. Now, many people touch on this and they, they talk about it in uh, and, and different shapes and forms, but I want, I want us to get a, a, a good indication tonight and an understanding uh, of what he really was referring referring to when he well, when it said a falling away, and we're going and in doing that and keeping that mind, we're going to be talking tonight about the spirit of apostasy. The spirit of apostasy. That phrase "falling away." Uh, is the Greek word apostia. That's how it's pronounced, and that's how it was written. And when Apostle Paul was writing that letter, he, he, there was not even such a thing as an English language then. There was no English language back at that time. And he wrote in Greek, and he, for the, uh, he did not write falling away, but he, he wrote apostasia. That's the word that actually Paul wrote down on the parchment that, uh, uh, that he was writing about. And let me give you the definitions to that word of actually what it means. And, some, and we're going to give it the broadest definition that we can. The first word that comes up in the Greek dictionary, and by the way, if you've got a Strong's exhaustive concordance, uh, you can pick up. Uh, some of these things from that. But the first word that popped up uh, for me is a defection. A defection from truth. A defection from truth. To forsake. To remove. <laughs> and then it branched off into some other root words that led to that, listen to this, to, to instigate a revolt. To instigate a revolt. Now keep in mind now, Paul said, the day of the Lord won't come until you see this happen first. Instigate a revolt. Usually referring to desert like a soldier would desert his duty in the face of the enemy. But desert the right way, the truth, what is, has been handed down and passed down. It comes from a root word 
to separate. Uh, and I found this interesting. I had never dug down deep enough on this word. I, I brought, broke it down before, but I, I, I've never dug deep enough to come up with this. The final thing it led me to, to separate or divorce. To separate or divorce. This right here, folks, tears up completely. If there was nothing else in the Bible, and I wish Brother Travis was here tonight because he always likes to hear uh, scriptures and things brought out about this because this is one of the hardest errors he had to deal with uh, when he made a transition from where he used to be to where he is now. And he, t- he told me one time, he said, Brother Sam, he says, I never will get tired of you teaching uh, about uh, uh, the uh, once saved, always theory. He said, I, he says, I need all that I can get. And this, this alone right here, if there wasn't nothing else in the Scripture about it, it tears that all the threads. There is no way that somebody can become an apostate unless they was involved in something and came out from it. They separated themselves from it. They divorced themselves from it. Somebody who knew the truth, somebody who was in the truth, had an understanding. Amen. And then they initiate a revolt. They desert. Forsake. Remove. This is, this is so powerful. It's so powerful. All of these words come from that phrase, fall away. Now, forget about this thing, right, this thing I'm fixing to say right now. There's been too many people, and I've heard it, and I've heard it. Uh, unfortunately, I've heard it from the ministry. But to fall away has nothing to do about empty pews. It has nothing to do about people falling away as far as they at one time went to church, but now they don't go to church. If you're thinking that train of thought, you need to drop, get off that train next station and get back on the right train. Hallelujah. Because they don't have anything to do with it. Apostasy is created and gone through by people sitting still on, still sitting on the pews. Apostasy occurs by the ministry standing behind the pulpit. Amen. I, I had lunch with a dear friend today. Um, and uh, we met up, and he was telling me about, and he, he's a pastor. And, uh, well, I, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, everybody knows he did, Brother Penrod. We met up today, and uh, uh, I had lunch, uh, and uh, I had some, had some fellowship. hadn't had a chance to do that in a long time. And uh, he was telling me about 
a pastor that he knows, apostolic, everything's supposed to be just like what we are, but he said that the pastor has talked and hinted around and made statements like this. Uh, we're, I believe we're going to back up a little bit and not, not uh, preach as hard as what we used to. And this, this part here it sounds like to me, sounds like he'd been listening to Joel Osteen too long. He said, I want people to feel good when they come to church. Hallelujah. I want you to feel good too, but I want it because the Holy Ghost has fell all over you and given you what you need. Hallelujah. I don't want you out here feeling good because I've given you a good pep talk and a good make you feel good speech and scratched scratch your back, amen, and tickled your ears, amen, to where when you go out of here and you run face to face with the devil or some kind of problem in your life, you're going to be lost and all alone. Not where to go, nowhere to turn to. Hallelujah. This apostasy is taking place today. It's happening, amen, uh, everywhere. Now, I, let me go ahead and I want to I read some other scriptures then I, I'm going to comment later. The Old Testament prophets spoke of strikingly similar times which parallels ours. Now, we're talking about something greater than we've ever seen before. There's always been times, if you study history, there's always been times that uh, uh, somebody went off this way and that way. But I'm talking about wholesale, just uh, wholesale, just uh, with their fist in the face of God. I don't care what his law says. Don't care what his word says. But just revolt against it. Hosea chapter 4, verses 1, 2, and 3. Listen to this. Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel. For the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. My, by swearing and lying and killing, and stealing and committing adultery, they break out, and blood touches blood. Therefore shall the land mourn, and every one that dwelleth therein shall languish with the beasts of the field and with the fowls of heaven. Yea, the fishes of the sea also shall be taken away. Hallelujah. My, think about that. The words that Hosea used under the inspiration of Jehovah God. Amen. And God said, I got a controversy with the people of the land because of this. Now, let me go ahead and read uh, another set of scriptures before I do any more talking. Isaiah chapter 59, verses 12 through 15. Let's look at this. For our transgressions are multiplied before you, and our sins testify against us. Now, when I pray for this country, uh, America, I, ha I, ha I have to face this when I pray, every time I pray for this country. When I pray for this country, I have to pray for God 
to forgive. Forgive us, God, for our transgressions are multiplied before you. Our sins testify against us. I have to pray that prayer for America today. Hallelujah. For our transgressions are with us, and as our iniquities we know them. In transgressing and lying against the Lord and departing, departing, apostasy, separating, divorcing from our God, speaking oppression and revolt. Look at that word, revolt. Conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood. Justice is turned back, and righteousness stands afar off. For truth is fallen in the street, my Lord, and an equity cannot enter. So truth fails, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Huh? He who departs from evil makes himself a prey. The only ones that have been tormented today are Christians. It's, it's not all right to talk against no other faith or belief or religion, but it's, it's okay to do it to Christians. You, you understand that well. You know that that's the world that we're living in now. Whoever departs from evil makes himself a prey. Then the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. Oh, Lord. Hallelujah. Church, it, it's not rocket science to figure out that we're living in this time. And that we have come to the place, the first sign and indication that Jesus is soon to come. Forgetting about everything else that we've been talking about around here. Because we are in the midst already of that falling away. It's, all, it's, it's begun a long time ago. Amen. People have revolted, shook their fists in the face of God. What the Supreme Court done? With the homosexual deal, that's apostasy. It's a revolt against righteousness. I read a quote about from one of my favorite. I wished I'd have got it and fixed it and put it up, put it up here, but I didn't do it. But I love Abraham Lincoln and the quotes that he made. And. Uh, one of Abraham Lincoln's famous quotes is, No law passed can make wrong right. No law that is passed can make a wrong right. Abraham Lincoln. Oh, I wish our leaders had that understanding today. I wish people had that understanding today. 
But people's got a mindset because of the apostasy, because people's ready to revolt against God, revolt against His Word and His truth. Amen. They're just sitting there foaming, amen, at the mouth for the next law. What's going to be next? Listen, I knew it was going to happen. I stood right up here and said, well, when, 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 uh, uh, the very next Sunday after the Supreme Court made, uh, made that decision that all that did was open up the floodgates. Since that time, we've had all of these issues about transgender and all of this other stuff, and you sit back and you wonder what is going to be next. But it don't matter what kind of law they create and they pass, Hallelujah, if it's wrong, it's still wrong. If the Word speaks against it, it don't have nothing to do about hatred and bigotry and stuff like that, like they won't see. Um, we're pray. I mean, if, I mean, if you, they don't, they don't understand, they don't understand, but Christians are called haters. And the Muslims that's going around killing everybody, they're a religion of peace. But the, I, I thank God he allowed me to be able to listen to a testimony on the radio today as I was driving back uh, from Franklin, Kentucky. And I had to listen close because she was from the Middle East, born and bred, and she had that heavy accent. She could speak English, but she had that heavy accent. And I had to really listen close to understand. But she was giving her testimony about how God delivered her uh, uh, from the Muslim faith. And she, here's somebody, this lady is in her 30s. She is born and raised, and she lived over there. She knows it like nobody else. She knows it 10 times better than anybody in Washington, D.C. She knows it 10 times better than the president or anybody in Congress or anybody who wants to go around and say that that faith is a religion of peace. She stood and she said, it's false. She said, since I made my conversion and accepted the Jesus Christ as my only God and Lord and Savior, my own family is trying to kill me. And she says there are over 300 passages uh, of verses. I started to say scripture. They're not scripture. There are 300 verses in the Quran that talks about violence and killing against all infidels. And she said infidels are either Jews or Christians. Now, when, when I say stuff like this, I'm not telling us that we're supposed to hate the people who are Muslim. They need God. If somebody didn't love her soul, she said, she'd still be in darkness. Somebody tried to talk to her. And as people begin to witness to her, let me tell you something. Muslims are coming to the Lord by the thousands. 
Jesus himself is appearing to them. She said that the Jesus started appearing to her in her dreams at night. Never, never thought about Jesus Christ in her life. And she said after people started talking to her about Christ and who Christ really was, she says, Jesus began to appear to me in dreams. With his arms stretched saying, come to me. She said, and the, and the people in this nation you're, and the leaders and Christians, they don't understand what they are letting themselves in for by turning their back, amen, and denying what the truth is. Keep saying that it's peaceful. She said, it ain't got nothing to do with peace. She said, the prophet Muhammad taught, taught people that you're supposed to hate your enemies, and she said, when I first opened up a Bible and read that Jesus says, love your enemies and do those, love those who despise for you, she said, it blew my mind. She said, I ain't never heard nothing like that in the Muslim faith. But there's an apostasy going on. Our government's a part of it. Churches are a part of it now. Hallelujah. Churches are a part of it. The Presbyterian church is already split. Other churches are splitting over the issue of homosexuality. I was listening last week, and the uh, Sonata, whatever they call it, uh, uh, Douglas may know what, what they call, but the next one that they, they have in the United Methodist Church, there are many who fear that the, the United Methodist Church is going to split into two camps because they got more and more wanting to go after this, this other apostasy, revolting against truth. I mean, there's not a denomination that it's not affecting. I can take you to an apostolic church on Old Hickory Boulevard right off of Dixon Road right down there. They, uh, they got apostolic on the name, but they, uh, they are openly uh, gay and homosexual. Been there for a long time. So there's not a church organization that's not affected by it. It's a revolt. It's a rebellion. It's a divorce from truth. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, in describing these, and I'm, I'm going to wind this down. In describing these wicked times, Jehovah God pronounced a woe upon all who reject truth and embrace wrong. This is going to be the final scripture I'm going to use tonight. Isaiah 5, verses 20 and 21. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. So God has pronounced a woe. And, and I, will, I, will, I will end this in saying this. I spent, I spent a lot of time talking about the, uh, the Muslims, uh, homosexuality. But I'm going to tell you something, folks. Churches are littered today with other sins that nobody wants to talk about no more. 
adultery is raging. I'm going to tell you something. There's still, in the Word of God, there's still only one reason for uh, uh, for uh, uh, a divorce and remarriage in God's sight. And that's fornication. That is the other person commits adultery. Amen. That, uh, that, that's, the, that's the only thing. But man, churches today, they, they're, they're full of them. I mean, I have to, I have to be careful today. Yeah, I mean, because, man, it just smacked me in the face of just a few years back over the old building. I mean, I mean people think <laughs> they're false today or crazy. I mean, people come in uh, thinking ways that they would never do before. And then... <laughs> After finally, I baptized a, a couple people that was living together unmarried. I realized that I needed to start asking more questions. <laughs> Baptism is not a cure-all. If you're living in sin, you've got to quit sinning. And adultery is just as wrong as homosexuality. We're... We're all, we're all uh, adults in here. Sexual intercourse outside of marriage is fornication, and the Bible says no fornicator will have their part in the kingdom of heaven. Lying, cheating, stealing, whatever. Um, people think that grace, the grace of God, they think that grace is permission I got a hold of that today. Grace is permission. Grace is not permission. The grace that God gives me is not permission for me to live the way I want to live. Hallelujah. It's not permission. Well, I'm going to stop right there. Anybody, anybody want to make any comments or questions about what I have covered so far? We will finish this up. Uh, this part next week, hopefully we get through it all.